Welcome to Hash Time with Navguzi Chuanuka. This is a place where we help you unravel social constructs, discuss self-development in line with mental health, emotional well-being, and everything in between that directly or indirectly affects us in the millennial world around us. If you're hearing my voice for the first time and are the kind of person who is not scared of being a better version of yourself even if it requires you to contradict who you were 24 hours ago, consider this your virtual home. I'm your host, Navguzi Chuanuka, and I cannot wait to engage with you in the various conversations. This Wednesday, we have Winnie Akidi Adile as our guest. She is the founder of We Talk Series Uganda, an organization that uses digital storytelling while integrating the social inclusion approach of sign language to promote gender equality, good health, and well-being of young people with universal access to information to make informed decisions. Akidi was elected for 2022-2023 as the regional leader of Africa with the Global Member Advisory Board. Do you remember this year's Women's Day theme? Winnie, from her shared life experience in this episode, is the embodiment of breaking the bias. As a teenager, she stood tall and braved the waves of tribalism and gender bias. This conversation is a revelation of social scientists finding that names influence personalities. And I want you, too, to bear witness to the same. Let's get into it. Winnie Akidi Adili. Welcome to Hashtag with Namguzi Chiwanuka. Uh, thank you very much. So tell us about who Winnie Akidi is. Um, hmm, where do we start from? First of all, Akidi. Does it have a particular meaning? Yeah, Akidi is a rock. <laughs> a hard rock. Ah, so I, 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 I kids are going to follow up with them. Definitely, they have to get what the mom has. They should be rocks. <laughs> very hard to break. So yeah, I'm Akidi Winnie Adili and... Um, I'll say I'm the founder of Vitalk Series Uganda, an organization that uses digital media, sign language and advocacy documentaries to advocate for the social reproductive health rights and civic participation of young people in the country. It's not a big organization, it's something that has just been started by young people, so we're at growth level, but doing impactful work and being spearheaded by young people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, aside from that, I'll say Win is an ordinary local girl. You were really insistent on that. You yes. see how things can be like, I am no, innocent. No, 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 no. I consider myself a local <laughs> girl, given my background Yeah. and the different things I've had to do to, to fight to get my way here. Mm, so mm, no matter mm, the fact mm, that I'm already mm, here, I still consider myself that person, that local girl who did everything, who, who decided to defy all odds to be who I am defy today. Defy all odds. Yeah. So currently, uh, I was previously serving in the YAG, Youth Advisory Board, mm-hmm. for Center for Electoral Political Parties Strengthening, under SEPS and IFES. But then currently, I am running and have just been elected in the Generation Democracy Global Advisory Board. That's why you keep saying the flights, the flights, no. <laughs> so currently representing Africa. Yeah. Uh, Africa region in the board. Yeah. So just briefly, that is me, but um, professionally, yeah. <laughs> professionally, uh, I'm an information tech science graduate. Though given the status of the country, economic status of the country, you have to hey, learn to do other things. Friends. So I'm a tech graduate, but not practicing tech, mm. but practicing social work and activism. <laughs> How did you end up in this kind of field? Because, yes, you've mentioned the bit of not being able to practice what you studied. Mm-hmm. But here you are, you are impacting society and you are recognized for that. Yeah. How, what could have inspired you to 
you know found we talk series itself so initially because i'm looking at it as something inclusive for me what blows my mind is sign language <laughs> how you how? know you talk about that's, that's reproductive exactly reproductive health how did you even come to the space of i need to start something of this kind so initially i think it comes from the kind of african setting that we come from where girls are not allowed to have voices on certain spaces especially like maybe in families where your elders your older brothers are seated you're not allowed to talk and then also coming from the fact that you are second last born you're considered young in a family you're not allowed to talk so no one listens to you yeah so most times i feel like my opinion was suppressed no one was listening to me and something a twist kind of happened that uh, had me not join senior three I stayed out that whole year and just because of like trying to bring out my voice so I was actually pushed and not hard so I eventually managed to, to get to senior four but then senior five comes where it comes to a, a, a situation where we're supposed to choose a combination mm-hmm. and then given the fact that I come from a literature family they wanted me to do literature but I wanted to do the science. family wanted you to do literature yes. like they are telling you you have exactly to. because everyone else you want to be mon- they wanted you they wanted the family mm-hmm. to monopolize uh-huh. <laughs> no because I didn't want to do that I wanted to do sciences and the fact that I had missing your three the concepts those things mm-hmm. the periodic tables like those things so my performance wasn't that good in senior four So senior five made it so hard that the only combination I could qualify for was pen, physics, econ, and mathematics. But then my family didn't really want that, especially my dad. Did he want you to do pen? He wanted me to do arts, literature, because how like it as a child comes from a late family. Do you know? Do you know what beats my understanding? Because in that period, I understand that by the time you got to senior four mm-hmm. or you were in your all levels were already in a system that the government had auto-tuned us to think that sciences are it you know and parents you would see that most parents were encouraging the their children to the system shows that sciences is it but then not everyone embraces it as it is and mm-hmm, especially mm-hmm, for the females mm-hmm, a girl mm-hmm. child going to do sciences it's not something that they would really accord in family settings then because oh. it's only seen as something that the male child would actually thrive wow. in. Wow. So <laughs> cutting it short, I proceeded and did the PEM, the against them, but then it caused a lot of issues at Rock. that point. <laughs> in addition to the challenges in the school, being a northerner who came into this particular school, that was in some deep village in Wakiso, and then contesting for the head girl, head prefect position and then taking it up. So it was kind of like a transition for the school having the first female head prefect at the same time being someone from the north. So it was really such a Were you like the, the only northerner person in the school? I think in the whole school I don't think we exceeded like 10. I th- we were, I don't think we were more than 10. Wow. But then being in senior 5, I was the only northerner. So election time comes I stood and I went through so the school had the person whom they wanted to go through who was the previous boy in all level but he didn't go through so he had to be my assistant so that caused a little of challenges between me and the school administration but then oh it an excellent way um, I had to give the position up and leave the school but before that there's a lavem competition that came up on Lake Victoria sustainability And given the fact that yeah I I'll still proudly say I come from a late family <laughs> this competition came yeah and I didn't really want to take part in it 
because I was also having this whole hype zone of I'm a science student, I can't do this. Oh yes, yes. So yes, this last yes. minute, I decided to sit down and do this one thousand one essay for the essay competition on this competition. And luckily, I went through. That was still I, you in S five. Yeah, that was still me. But now, as a student, there's so much happening for you. In yeah, that was year. <laughs> so, so, so. I actually say 2013 was a year that so much happened. I think it was like the beginning of 2013. Is you in S five? In S five, it was like more of drastic, hard decisions that I had to make. I think that is where life seriously began to and happen. I'm still a teenager. It's, um, it's, it's, I, didn't, I didn't even know what I, I wanted at some point. But all I knew was I had resistance in me. <laughs> you felt it. I felt it. <laughs> but I knew I couldn't step down. But then when the results came back during holidays, uh, as, as um, announced the overall national essays 2013, which came with several trips. And that's where I had to take my first trip out of the country. But then the second trip to, Tanz- to Kenya, has offered to select two of my colleagues who could represent me. So it's things I got from What do you mean by you had to select people to represent uh, you? Because I couldn't, couldn't go. go because I was already traveling to Tanzania and the trips would coincide. So there's no way I could make it to the two different destinations at the same time. So mm-hmm. I had to choose two people to go and represent me that side. So uh, when I returned from the trip, I got uh, at least I earned some money and then the seven trophies which both confiscated by the school also wow. and it's that money that I used to finance my senior five but then so they didn't take the money at least the school wanted it but I didn't give them to it because I also needed the money to pay my tuition because I was having tuition issues so I eventually used the money to pay my tuition but then given that the tension between me being the head prefect and winning this because the school was already had a lead student who was supposed to, whom they knew would actually win oh, this for the school. Wow. So it caused a lot of chaos so I eventually had to leave the school. So I, I signed off, I handed over my prefecting and I never came back for third term. At the end of third term coming back for senior six I didn't return so I went and joined another school. Now, joining another school, that was the beginning of five schools for my senior six. Mm. And that is where the drastic change began. Joining senior six, studying first term for just a month. Then so you didn't even study school. in third term? I didn't really. I oh. didn't. It was just more of like a mixture of transitions and trying to figure out how. Because in my mind, I knew I really need to be in school. But the circumstances around me weren't really allowing me to be in school. Mm-hmm. But then to cut the story short, like the whole time I was fighting with being in school, the fact that I went to five different schools for senior six, is how I was in position to engage with students from uh, as, from Waxo Secondary School for the deaf. Now that is where the person who was teaching me, coaching me actually, mathematics, given the fact that he used to see me at home, give, since home was near the school, yeah. he would actually coach me, but he was a deaf man. So my math teacher at the time was a deaf person and he was trying to help me catch up given the fact that I had been home for long. So that's where my interest picked up on how, how can a deaf person... Math is complex. It's complex, yeah. But now, the fact that... And he was sign languaging math. Yes, he was sign languaging it. At the same time, I had to replead because he would speak out. He would speak, he would be able to speak. But then the fact that he's deaf, some of his wordings would not be so much coordinated. So it required so much attention. And then just 
the whole idea of seeing a deaf person teaching me and I'm grasping the mathematics is teaching it's just what intrigued me to be interested in how best can I give back to this community the fact that someone from this particular community has helped me mm. how can I give back to them in the future so that's where uh, to cut it short I finished in year six you're really rushing where are oh. you going <laughs> <laughs> it's a really long story. Where are you going? It's a very long story. That's why I need to cut. Why are you short. running? <laughs> why are you running? I'm not running, but I'm just sparing everyone the time. Because it's a story that I could actually tell from morning to evening. That's why I need to really cut it yeah, short. I think I think where the where we might have lost you is when you refused to do the literature that they wanted mm-hmm. you to do, did that mean that they were no longer sponsoring you? Because here you are, mm-hmm. you're going as far as winning a competition yeah. that had money and you're talking about failing for yourself as far as tuition is concerned. Yeah, because at that point, my parents were having hardship uh, to finance my tuition. And then at some point, the fact that I was also resisting doing a combination they wanted, it just didn't get it like my my dad just didn't take it right the right way mm. so it brought in some bit of retaliation and also in addition to that he didn't have money that time like it just caused a lot of issues so yeah. at some point i found myself not going to school sometimes missing classes miss, sometimes you do exams you can't get your results yeah yeah just yeah, because of yeah. not paying tuition so in helping uh, doing that competition actually helped me at some point because the returns I got from that competition is what I used to finance that time, my senior five. Mm. And that's what really helped me also at and some And yet the point. school was against you. Yes, the school was against me. But also before the school was against me, like, uh, you know, it's very hard for an African parent to let their teenager travel out of the country. Yeah. So at some point, um, my, my 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 dad was against me traveling. He was like, the fact that he had that, it considers me traveling out. Yeah. I was like, I'm not signing parent approval. <laughs> so and, and what, I, I, and what I, did you do? I sat down, but I'm like, this is my future. You're playing with. It's not like I'm going to do something. But he, he completely refused. But then at some point, like, um, my grandfather stepped in and mm. he spoke to him. And you know, you know, every child listens to their parents. So he listened to his dad, yeah, his grandpa, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he gave the approval. That's how I was able to travel. You needed a mediator. You, man. That's why you learn. I think that's why I over-yap and over-talk. <laughs> Like, that's why I have so much re- re- uh, resistance maybe because of that whole mediation thing. Mm. Like I keep doing it a lot because once I set my mind on getting something, I really want to get it unless it's really impossible. Yeah. So you you're here. You're back. You are having a teacher who is helping you in math. Mm-hmm. What is that thing that you said intrigued you, especially apart from? him being deaf and you grasping what he is teaching the fact that he was teaching me in a class with other deaf students i was sitting in a class with other deaf students other so deaf that students. means he was not even saying anything yeah like literally the whole like the whole teaching sessions were in sign language because remember here I was a senior six pem student who was not in school as at home but there's someone who picked interest was like why don't you just keep coming for the weekend classes because they would like the math students then in that deaf school would actually have classes on the weekends so it's like why don't you always come and attend these classes so that at least you, you keep at the same pace with the what with the students who are in school 
So that's how I joined in. Had you have had you been exposed to sign language before? No. But we were living in a community that was next to the deaf school. So most of the interactions, you know, you know when a deaf person speaks here and doesn't sign language, all we do was smile, laugh, exactly. and I had already made some friends in the school. So it wasn't really hard. Like the only hard part was the communication, the fact that I didn't know sign language. But already these people were my friends. Sometimes we would just write on paper yeah. where I failed to grasp. So that was just the intriguing bit, being in that environment. Because you know thoughts. what I'm imagining? How do you sign language square roots? You know? Yeah, or, or <laughs> my goodness. Just like how your name is. Your name can be signed. That is long. It's, Eight letters. Yeah, they can sign it in terms of spelling it per letter. Or they can just decide to get maybe a specific sign. Like if you like wrapping your head, they can decide to figure out a sign on that. Or just something like a specific feature in your body. They could use that as a sign for you. It really requires someone to be creative. I but feel like it's because whoa, <laughs> how do you have a description for every person? No, you can't know. It's just like having your best friends. I joined the crew, but I'll not be able to know who is who. But mm-hmm. the fact that you spent time with them, they'll be able to distinguish who is who. Right, 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 right. A right. particular sign, what someone loves, what someone likes, those things. Mm. Yeah, so that was the whole thing. And what did you want to be in that moment? Or even before that? Uh, what did you want to be growing up? Before all that, growing up, I really wanted to do medicine. But then the fact that I didn't do senior theory, I missed the whole concept of the periodic table and everything. And that's something that's really impacts like your chemistry that's during chemistry, senior four. Right. So I didn't really do well in chemistry. That's why at A level, the only science combination I'd go for was PEM or MEG however much I wanted BCM because mm. my whole goal was to do medicine and surgery so the only science thing the fact that I didn't want to deviate from sciences the only option I had was to do PEM which means my dream had to change into engineering oh yeah but then uh, when I finished senior six joining university I applied at Chambogo Chambogo gave me my last choice which was accounting and finance <laughs> which oh my goodness didn't want. and it, it didn't really take go well with me and my family wanted me to go for it at the same time they had an option of me going to do nursing with a certificate senior for certificate so me and my mother was like now why should I go back and start using a senior for certificate to do nursing <laughs> right and then Chamba gives me an option I don't want so I became so annoyed and I, there's a, a call for people to apply to Macario School of, like to apply to Mulago Paramedics yeah. for orthopedic technology. So I secretly applied to it because at least with orthopedic technology, it needed someone who did uh, physics and math. So it was the only wing or the only foot I had in sciences yeah. that would take me to medicine. So I applied and I got the admission, <laughs> but the challenge comes with the tuition. Oh yeah. The tuition was so high, given the fact that I was already struggling, I couldn't afford the tuition. Uh, so I couldn't go for it, but it was the only, like it was the only option to go for something in the field of uh, health sciences. Mm-hmm. So the other option I had was to either take that Chambogo admission for accounting, accounting. Finance, which I refused, 
or go for nursing and oh. midwifery, which my aunties wanted me to go for. So I refused, but then this caused a whole saga. But then I remember this one day as home at my auntie's place and someone came to see me get the house. This was a very cute guy and he came with his dad to fumigate and as this vacuist who was not touched, things were not adding up for her, like people are telling me do this, do this, but then in my mind, I was already, if you guys are forcing me to all do this, I'd rather go back and start senior five, so Mm. at least I get a very credible point so that I can do the engineering, that is the best option I'd really want. You were ready to restart. I was ready to restart from senior five. But then, uh, when this, I saw this guy, first leave the cuteness aside. <laughs> well, you gave us the, you yeah. gave us the details. Why are you, all, was, why are you asking us to was, admit that? That was soup. That was soup in the food. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a, a, a conversation with him. Yeah. And he asked me what I wanted to do. So I said I wanted to do engineering. But then I had been given admission in finance. Then how they're telling me to go and do mid- midwifery and nursing. But I don't want to do this. So he tells me about this institute on Nak- in Nakawa, where he was yet to graduate from, because mm-hmm. he was graduating with electrical engineering. Now the fact that he's cute, he's doing engineering, like ah, I was like, whole oh. package. Okay, I was like, this is package. Let me hear to what he's offering. So anyway, he tells me about this. Yeah. And then he tells me you need to check that place out. So I tried telling my family about it, and my family didn't really like the idea. So I agreed with my family that I would go and start from senior five, but in a school of my choice. So I remember that morning I left home to go and check out the school I wanted, which was those ends of Luzira. Mm. So on my way to Luzira, I see the institute this guy had told me about. So without even thinking, I jumped out of the taxi and I got into the institute. <laughs> I asked around, asked me how much I had, what, uh, what points I had gotten. And it's, they told me you could actually do telecom engineering. I qualified for the telecom engineering at diploma level, qualified for the information tech science, and then inform, uh, information tech in business. So they told me you could go and decide, but you qualify for telecom engineering. So that really made me so happy. Yeah. I went back home. <laughs> you didn't even continue to the school? I didn't even continue to the school, which I had left home to go for. But I had money. I had money for admission that I had been given from home. But aside from that, this whole time in vacation, I had met someone online on Facebook. You know how these rich sugar daddies come and they're like, I want to date you or what? But luckily, it was at least of a story because he had lost uh, a sister who was the same age as me at that time. So his intentions turned and he was like, I I want to help you in memory of my late sister who is your same age. Wow. So this guy sent me money and it's the money I used to get my admission at that institute. So when I stepped out of that institute, I went and withdrew that money and I went back and got the admission and it's what I went back home with and presented to That is where trouble began. <laughs> the disrespect. disrespect. You're a very disrespectful <laughs> child. You go to do something else, you come back with something else. Now, that is even a different story. Where did you get the money? That was another yeah. story. But remember... Did you it, tell them? It really went... I didn't tell them, man. Who would you tell? An Afghan parent? No way. <laughs> I didn't tell. I knew it was mine to die with. I knew it was clean money. And I knew the intentions were right because yeah. this person was trying to help me through with education. 
So I didn't tell them where I got the money from, but I just saw them. Someone has given me money, and it's what I used to get this because they all question where did they get this. But then they didn't take it well. I remember I sent out of home with only 300,000. Yet in total, I needed 1.8. Sent out. Yes. It, it was so bad. Sent out. Yes. <laughs> Below 20 years of age. I was 17 because I made 18 at campus. And you were sent out. I was sent out. Like, it didn't go well with them. They told you to do what? Go where? Figure out where to go. Since you want to go and do that, you can go, but like, I don't have the money for you for that. So I remember I was only handed 300,000 and it's what I left home with. Yet in total, I needed over 1.6 million, which would at least accommodate for tuition and then some bit of um, where to sleep, hostel. So I left with 300,000 and I I came to my sister's place because my sister was renting, instead of living in a hostel, she was renting a small room where she was staying because she was at Chambogo. So I started staying with her. So this one time, um, just in the first week, she introduced me to an organization where I started volunteering. And I started earning my 60K. So me, in my mind, I was like, 60K? 60K is on a monthly basis? Yeah. The 60K could actually contribute to my coursework, then buying the... Did you have, like, transport to... No, I was all calculating it in the 60K. But then remember that the person who sent me money had told me, I'm going to try helping you out, at least be sending you money for buying the... How can I say? The... I've even forgotten now how they call them. The notes that they'll mm. give at campus, the coursework, so I was like, I'll help you, I'll be giving you money to do that. But then you should look for ways of getting like transport money and money for you to dress and then feed yourself at some point. Was tuition included or was it? No, no, tuition I... was something that I had to start hustling. Though however much you'd send the money, sometimes I'd not pick some and add into the tuition. So I, I kept earning that 60K where I'd go to work at 8 in the morning, leave work at 4.30, then my lectures were at 5.30, up to like sometimes 10, 11 in the night. So that was my routine. For how long? For two years. The course was two years. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I knew with everything that I was going through, I couldn't concentrate much to do something to do with engineering. I decided to opt for information tech science. Because I knew at some point, given everything that's happening, I wouldn't concentrate much. And the fact that I'd taken this other job. Mm. So I do take science, which I continued pursuing. But then the fact that I was an evening student, sometimes when you're walking back home in the evening at night, sometimes you'd find girls who've just survived being defiled on the road. Sometimes when you leave your lecture room to go and use the toilets at night, you'd find girls crying in the toilet. Either maybe a boyfriend in the campus has broken up with them, or maybe they're just from being raped. Because you know how that time, that whole street of UICT moves was dark. There was no light installation. So there was a lot of rape uh, in that street. Like Students were actually going through a lot. Some were actually, actually being even harassed by teachers, by the lecturers. So that kind of like opened my mind to try and figure out how can I best help because at some point I feel like these girls are not having voices. No one is listening to them. Mm. And then myself, with everything that was going on, I needed someone to listen to me. Now the fact that I felt like I fit into this category with these girls, I decided to start up like a weekend meet 
how we are meeting up here today. We just sit in a round table and just talk about our problems, laugh yeah. about it. During the week, we'd actually suggest a topic that we discuss over the weekend. So, like now, the weekend, the evening students used to have like an extension of weekend classes. Yeah. So now, when we come for weekend classes, we'd actually meet and discuss. Then from there, we started streaming our conversations live on Facebook, where some young people online started reaching out. We want to be part of these conversations. Right. Then uh, on two different occasions, uh, there's a deaf young person who reached, who actually commented. And I was like, what the is your person? No, a different deaf person, like randomly on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I like the conversation. Like, I see what you're doing is interesting, but I, I, there's no way I can listen in. I can't understand what you're saying. Could you add a caption? on the live stream that you're doing on Facebook because all it took for us was just having a smartphone. I know how smartphones then. Hey man, those ones. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone wanted to do Facebook live, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so this person's request for us to add a caption or get someone to sign is actually what triggered me to at least start having the young people with disabilities incorporated in the conversations we were doing. And then from further recommendations that kept coming in, they were like, why don't you make this something permanent yeah. that at least you could engage with a bigger number of young people? Because it's not just young people at the university who are going through this. The young people across the country who are going through the same issue. But then at least through Facebook, through social platforms, they could actually learn something from the conversations you're having. Mm. So it's from that that I ended up registering this group that would meet as we talk series, and that is you registered it. You registered it while still at the institute. Immediately, I left the institute. I graduated. I was like, now Plan B. Where am I proceeding? I can't continue uh, with this. The fact that I'm already outside university, so I needed something more viable that at least a young person would feel the need to take part in it irrespective of where the university is or in school or not mm. so that's why i registered we talk series with the name we talk because we talk like <laughs> it would just be a talking platform where we meet and yeah. we talk you're not silent anymore. Mm-hmm. we're not silent anymore so that's how we registered and we started we talk series uganda so starting it was more of like a series of remember getting out of campus you don't have the skills, or you don't have managerial skills, oh trying to goodness. figure out life, yeah. and then jobs outside there want people with five years experiences, and remember there are very many young people who've graduated who don't have jobs, but they have the skills and the professions that they've graduated with. So I reached out to a couple of friends who had graduated from campus, so I'm like, would you want to join me in this initiative? I'll actually call it a social club, yeah. though it was registered as we talk series. Same number of them reached out, including a sign language interpreter who was a graduate. Had you listed the, the skills that you needed? I had actually, at some point, I didn't list because honestly, graduating from campus, I didn't know what it took yeah. to run an organization like yeah. management. Mm. You know how you're also trying to figure out life, but you want to help out. Mm, 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 so I just mm. reached out to a number of people. Whoever wants to join me in this, join me, but I don't have pay, we don't have money, <laughs> but it's just enough, it's going to just be another way of how we can give back to the community right. from the professions we have. Because I know sometimes you feel like you need a platform where you can come up openly and speak. However much sometimes you're being employed in some jobs, you're always being paid monthly, you go in the morning work, but then sometimes you need to have that fulfillment that however much I'm being paid somewhere, 
I can at least give back to a particular segment or a particular community because I've been able to get this opportunity, this chance, but then someone else in the community there hasn't. So that's how a number of them reached out, inclusive of how I mentioned a sign language interpreter reached out, yeah. a psychologist reached out, uh, me as there from the tech field. Mm. Then we had someone who had done public health. Then we have a deaf young you person are who also right joined. People. Yeah, people joined in. Yeah. We had a number of people who joined in. But then everyone joined in with the idea and the hope to reach out to the community. And that is how we kicked off. Mm-hmm. As a group of young people from a different professions who are actually giving back to the communities that we come from. Yeah. So that's how we kicked off. And we ran a couple of engagements, mentored each other, we mentored different young people. We bathed the youth jam that we ran for six months, mentored over over a hundred deaf young people, then reached out to over five thousand young people and mm-hmm. it's say it's it was something worth it. And we and uh, sexual reproductive health. Yeah, now, given the fact that there was a lot of uh, sexual harassment in schools, there was a lot of, uh, and the statistics on HIV infections were also increasing and rising among university students. And then also the rampant uh, defilement, how young people are being defiled. Then the fact that when I was at uh, the first place I volunteered at, it was around civic participation politics. Mm. Then when I left that organization was still at campus, I joined an organization called the Youth Equality Center, which was working around sexual productive health. Now, sexual productive health has things to do with defilement, mental health, teenage pregnancies, child marriages, like things around mitigating all that. So the whole thing was that each time I would go to the field, you'd realize these cases are actually increasing and increasing and increasing. Yeah. And then while there, I joined a network called AFIAN, which was under UNFPA. And now this was doing advocacy at a global and international level. So I, I joined the team and I learned a lot from there, but then I left the organization and I joined another organization called African Youth Development Link, which was now into policy and research. Mm-hmm. Now, policy and research, but in aspects of leadership and civic engagement. So however much I'd go to the field, like deep in Oyam, Tabo, Abim, like the outskirts of Kampala, would be discussing issues around civic engagement, leadership, but then behind, in the loopholes of what's happening in the communities, there would be issues around teenage pregnancies rising. Mm. Or so-and-so in this community defiled this person's kid, the case is in court, or the case was taken to the village chief, the village chief tuned it off, or maybe in the other community, girls are getting pregnant. So it intrigued me so much, the fact that however much we're working around leadership and civic engagement, yeah. issues around sexual productive health were actually like shooting higher. And then... And no one is doing anything And no one is doing it. anything. However much... Not, not that no one is doing anything. People, organizations are actually doing things around this. Right. But then their engagements are only incorporating persons who are in the urban settings. And then some of the programs are only tailored for urban settings. But mm. then people who are in the grassroots were actually not getting the real aspect and the concept of the content around this. And then the fact that immediately I left campus, I started going as a facilitator for a tech robotics camp where I would facilitate foundational robotics. And then still at this camp, issues around sexual productive health would still come. So, at every corner, at every it was corner, happening. I went in policy and research, it was the issue. I went in tech camps, 
foundation robotics it was the issue among the students who were facilitating at that camp mm. coming into the communities at university was the same issue so i'm like now being from a tech field what can i do from my skill that can actually work towards mitigating this issue that is how the concept of using digital media came in in we talk series to see how we can use media and digital spaces to actually advocate for this because i know with so many young people online using social media mm-hmm. and however much you can't reach everyone individually in person but then you could actually build up something a network where we could actually link up online and have these conversations right yeah it's a long one <laughs> it's a whole keynote speech <laughs> it's a whole keynote speech oh. so We're having you having the sign languages going mm-hmm. on, sexual reproductive health. What do you feel like is the bias when it comes to sexual reproductive health in uh, in as far as understanding the topic mm-hmm. and also the way how we deal with the people that have been violated. Uh, my I mean we have we have something that happened recently. Mm-hmm. It's make you like But no one is people, talking about it. Yeah. Like there's whole different perspectives around this. I think what people forget around sexual reproductive health especially in the element of sexual harassment. People forget the intentions behind this. Sometimes the offenders actually have a history or background of this. And sometimes it may not be because they wanted to, but then because maybe the communities they come from perceive this as something normal. Right. Because you realize the certain communities you go to, they say once a girl starts having her menses, her periods, she's ripe for marriage. And the fact that a girl is not getting married, some men already see her as a ripe fruit in the community and no one is devouring her, so they decide to use like um like they decide to go to her and use forceful means that's why some end up raped and then the scenarios around menstrual health and sexual reproductive health some girls especially those from the rural communities can't afford sanitary pads mm, mm, you see already mm, right now with mm, the economy mm, mm, mm. the cheapest pad worse. is like 3000 depending worse. on which community you're coming from there are those that are like 2500 but then people have complaints of those banning them forget right. that now imagine for a young girl who is in deep in the in the rural community for example like one time i went to do a research in a bin district in one of the small villages there you know how you go to do something on policy and research and because you know i am someone who sometimes i wisek not in a bad way <laughs> but i just have this curiosity where i want to know what's happening around so i walked is into that this wiseking though some people may call it that you know everyone has what a, do you feel it is me i just I just feel like it's feeding my curiosity. Mm-hmm. Not in a bad Let way, but then just <laughs> you are not quite exactly. You're finding exactly. what the problem is and I mean you're even part of the solution maker exactly. so. So because I had gone to this place and I was doing research with the district leaders there like how I came out to go to the toilets and next to that same building because it was within the um, the local government there's a small building that was just like three rooms. Mhm. Now, there I saw a lineup of young girls who were sitting on the veranda. But all of them looked like they were pregnant, they were tying laces. So I decided to walk to that building, and when I walked to that building, once I entered inside, I found I saw over 15 young girls, teenage girls. I don't think the oldest was even 17. But there's one who had come with her boyfriend, uh. but this boyfriend was 18. 
and they were all pregnant. And then amongst them, there was one whom the nurse, this building had only one attendance, one nurse. Was it like was an organization? It was not an organization. It Hospital? was like a village health center. And one person. One person. So this lady was attending to one girl who was like roughly 10 years old and this girl was pregnant. She was kind of like having contractions and pain. So I looked at this lady, I looked at this girl and I walked out of the building. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Mm. So that's when reality hit me, like teenage pregnancy is really real. And then the children as young as 10, 11 years were actually getting pregnant, but the statistics are not reaching the urban settings. The people in the communities conceal this off. And then in those communities, it's actually okay because they say once a girl has, starts having a period, mm-hmm. she's already ready for marriage. She has oh, to get so married. the communities do not actually exactly. see it as a problem. So even the lady that you found catering to them was not seeing the problem. She was seeing a problem because she's, she was a midwife. She was a nurse. She was a nurse acting as a midwife, acting as the in charge of the health center because it was a oh very local community. And I had a slight conversation with her and she was like, this is really a big burden here because she told me that facility had not had anyone there like for the last three months. So she had actually just come in and she was new in the place. What? So she shared with me the issue that was going on and that's where I realized some, this challenge is actually something that goes back to the community perceptions. Because I've also had scenarios where sometimes I'd post about these things on Facebook, on my page, because at some point, however much my personal page, I post my personal life and social life. At some point, I also post things regarding work. So if you to notice 2018, 2019, 2020, my page was basically dedicated to advocacy around sexual reproductive health, teenage pregnancy and everything. Mm-hmm. But then each time I would post, there'd be people who would come up and be like, go away, you're from the urban setting, man. The real context of Af- African setting is a girl has to get pregnant, has to get married, take Social away with your whole advocacy. Meanwhile, you are expecting people to be educated. Ex- exactly. So I kept having those kinds of feedbacks and some would actually come to my inbox and be like, but this is the traditional setting. You get that? A man can marry a young girl as long as she's ready to get what? Pregnant. As long as the girl starts having her period. So this whole thing of... Uh, the current trends in which years are we looking at that's not even far because 2013 that's when you're starting it's not far so that's why i picked it that however much you are doing advocacy around these things we have a lot to do with the perceptions of the people we come the people we have around us because however much someone may look learned and sitting amongst us in boardrooms in Mm. taxis we meet them People already still have this this culture and tradition that's already infringed in them at the back of their mind that it is okay yeah. to rape. It is okay to defile. It is okay for a young girl below 17 to get pregnant. You're actually, they're doing your favor. Exactly. That they're fine. Oh my so, goodness. So it's really a big issue that we really need to fight, especially uh, when it comes to the community we come from because we have, Uganda has a lot of tribes a lot of communities we come from and mm, every community mm, 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 mm. has its individual unique way of like um, individual unique way of analyzing perceptions like their traditions and the culture and the things they believe in so it really takes a lot for us to break that however much you are doing it but it really needs to go back to the grassroots for these people to be accountable yeah yeah and uh, we're looking at you being a change maker <laughs> yeah. you know 
you are dedicated mm -hmm. to serving community you are dedicating you are dedicated to helping yourself come out of stereotypes or being see, stifled sometimes okay this wasn't a decision i took but mm, just mm, you know mm. sometimes you find yourself doing something because of the need in the communities yes so i didn't see myself as an advocate i didn't see myself as someone <laughs> who'd want to change the community mm -hmm. but because it always pained me and it was something that kept coming my way so you find yourself doing this because you're tired of seeing it right and right, right right you're right. seeing it as bad other people are not seeing it as bad and no one is acting on it you really need to come up and speak yeah, yeah. and has it how do you at what po is there a point in your advocacy work that you felt like my mental health is actually compromised yeah actually things around social works advocacy there's a lot to do with mental health however much you're advocating for the people in the communities the things we see when we go to the com communities uh -huh. actually affect us yeah. the individuals when we return back here scenarios like maybe like when you see that young girl you'll come back and she'll keep taunting you traumatizing and all that so it's it's it has really however much i've done a lot it has also actually somehow affected me at some point and this one i'll really say it boldly if you're to notice these last two years, I have not really actively been doing this. I kind of took a break from it all mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. at some point it was weighing me down the realities of what's happening on ground and the fact that I'm doing something but I feel like what I'm doing is not enough and no one is coming in to help would actually weigh me down. So these last two years I took a break. I know it's really bad, mm -hmm. but not that completely total break, but then still those who would reach out to me I'd still reach back to them with the information, the content they need. But it's it's really a big issue. And I, I emphasize the fact that however much we preach for mental health for the communities, let's also try and consider mental health for the advocates because they right. go through a lot, like the transition There's between... There's so much absorption. Exactly. Mm. The transition between seeing these things in the communities and you have to act and play strong to help these people in the communities actually weighs you down more. Mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm. and for yourself outside advocacy mm -hmm. how do you <laughs> what is that moment that might have crushed you and you're like am I coming out of this mm, I think what really disturbed me more is uh, especially 2021 when COVID hit because that was the time where we were already doing the youth jam and we were already getting impacts Mm. and I felt like we were actually creating a lot of change but then COVID hits, the restrictions coming, no movements, not doing community engagements and that is where it really hit me hard that we can't do anything now we're not allowed to move, we can't reach out to these young people and these young people kept reaching out to us, wanting us to reach back to them and there's no way you could do this. And you don't have the resources. You don't have the resources, given the fact that now with the whole COVID, it became more expensive to do outreaches. The sanitizers, procedures of getting government passes, like all those things. So it really weighed me down, given the fact that I had people who needed help, mm -hmm. but I couldn't reach mm -hmm. back to them. Mm -hmm. And, if, and there's no way I could actually even find help. And the fact that even funding got done because of the numbers that keep increasing, it just put me down completely. Yeah. Right. Mm. And how do you take care of yourself? I mean, yeah. Have you mastered the art of taking mm. care of yourself? Or is there some process that you're taking? No, I think I, I, I decided to 
have this whole approach of one step at a time. One step at a time. And doing what I can. Mm. Mm. If I can't mm. do something, I'll gladly reach out to you and tell you I can't manage this. So I'll either figure out something for you or refer you to someone else. But then I wouldn't do something that is beyond my means. Yeah. Yeah. And what words would you want to leave for us <laughs> at the end of the episode? <laughs> so, uh, what is that thing that you want the listener to walk away with? I think I just really want to share with everyone that um, irrespective of what's going on in everyone's bucket at the moment, all we need to really do is protect your mental health more than anything else. Because as long as you're not on a stable mental health mm, you won't be mm, able to do mm, the things mm, like reaching mm. out to the communities or helping people in the communities so however much you're playing the game of helping out ensure that you help yourself first so it's sure. one oh my God. step at a time ensure that you oh just my like how we forget <laughs> we forget no, we forget and yeah. put all the energy in helping others than changing others mm. but then in the end it's you who keeps sinking down and remember the more you keep sinking down you're going to be at a position where you can't help someone because you yourself you're actually dragging and actually you need to be helped exactly actually. you need help for yourself yeah. so as i said one step at a time consider yourself and take care of your mental health because that is everything that will summation the works around you the relationships around you the families around you and your engagements and especially your careers because lately careers employment actually one of the root causes of mental health among young people currently oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. protect it as much as possible <laughs> not with the economy right now oh, this Trust. is crazy <laughs> the economy is crazy but, yeah but that's all i can say for now thank you so much for giving us your wisdom your time yeah, your story you're welcome you're welcome thanks for hosting from this conversation, Akili teaches you to stick to your guns and she's also asking you to take care of yourself first before taking care of anyone else. The reason or notion behind this is that you cannot pour from an empty cup. This is one of the lessons I shared in the 27 lessons of my 27 years. Y'all need to check out those episodes. I don't know whether episodes three and four or four and five. I don't know. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Hashtag We Love With The Chuanukai. If you love what you heard, make sure you subscribe to Hashtag We Love With The Chuanukai in your podcast platform of choice and share it with your friends, loved ones, and every other person affected by the millennial world around us. Also, feel free to share what connected with you on social media and be sure to tag us. We are at Hashtag We Love With The Chuanukai on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter. Our handle is at htnk podcast you can also reach us on our email htnkpodcast at gmail.com i really look forward to hearing from you your opinions your suggestions your feedback catch you next week